It's episode 123 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Fien. Today on the program, it's just me. This is the final episode of Presentable, and we'll take a look back at some of the ground we've covered. Well, it's been five and a half years, 123 episodes, dozens of amazing guests, and an incredible audience, but it is time for the Presentable Podcast to come to an end. There's no real, I don't know, specific reason, just a sense that the creative energy that I put into the project may be better spent elsewhere. Though, to be honest, I'm not quite sure where that will be. But I've found often throughout my career that stopping to take a break is usually the best way to spot new opportunity with fresh eyes. And, and that's the entirety of the plan for now. Uh, but before that happens, I felt like reflecting a bit on what this podcast has been. I think it was about a year ago, but who can really tell in this weird pseudo-hibernation that we've all been in? But yeah, about a year ago, we recorded the 100th episode of this podcast. And I felt like at that time, it was a good time to reflect. So I took a moment uh, before bringing on the guest to talk a bit about the sort of narrative arc of this podcast. In that reflection, I talked about why I started the project in the first place, and now that Presentable is at the end of its run, that story, I think, it's worth revisiting. So the initial idea for a design podcast came shortly after I'd left my job at Adobe. I had spent a few years there kind of thinking about the future of how we all collectively do design work, and I was really focused on two things. It was the tools that we use to do our craft and the mechanisms for collaborating with each other. It's a point of transition for me, really, uh, as I had left. And I started a new gig as a partner at a venture capital firm with the intent of bringing my years of design and user experience practice to bear on the entrepreneurial process. And working with founders of new companies was, and, and honestly still is, an amazing opportunity. But I also quickly realized I wouldn't be practicing design every day, at least not in the hands-on, iterative, let's make this thing kind of way that I had always done. So specifically, I wanted an excuse to talk to people who were doing great work and moving the industry forward because I thought they would have super interesting stories and that there would be a lot of new voices out there that could use a platform to be heard. So I came to the idea of a podcast. I thought it would give me some structure to have those conversations about where things were heading, especially if there was a schedule and accountability for producing episodes. That always helps me when starting a new creative endeavor. Uh, I also thought that maybe talking into a microphone for an hour every couple of weeks would be easier than, you know, writing things down in medium posts and stuff like that. So I started looking around for topics to discuss and people to talk about them. Now, this was six years ago, and there was a lot of really interesting trends happening in the design world. More and more designers were getting far enough along in their career to achieve C-level positions at largely tech-focused companies. And that was really interesting to me. We now had chief design officers and chief product officers with user experience in their background, with design in their background. And they were stepping up to a table that had a lot more strategic importance than really design had ever been in technology. But many of people who found themselves in those roles realized that there really wasn't any precedent for this. They were the first people with design backgrounds to hold those positions. And so I wondered, where are they finding mentorship and guidance? Over in the entrepreneurial world, we we're seeing more and more companies like Airbnb and Pinterest who were founded by designers. And these were companies that didn't just make products for other designers, but were focused on a broader, more general audience. And so I started to think maybe it was actually true that a user-centered focus 
on quality products could not just be financially viable, but kind of competitive all the way up into the public markets. So those are some things that we really wanted to take a look at with this podcast. But this is also in mid-2016. And that feels like, I don't know, it feels like a century ago. But even then, there were indications of what was about to happen. Specifically, that was when the zeitgeist began to shift. And the way the world viewed the technology industry started to fundamentally change. The inequality making itself apparent more generally in the world became laser-focused on tech. From abuses of power at places like Uber to the rampant hatefulness of social media, there was strong feeling that the apps and services that were now used by billions of people were being produced by a small group of people hidden away in California, mostly white, almost entirely male. People were questioning why that was. And this brought really a new urgency to what we've really known for years, but have been very slow to put into practice that the products we design absolutely have to be usable and accessible by all people across all dimensions of their abilities and how they identify. That also means those products need to be designed by teams that are representative of that rich diversity. And that the pathways to design leadership need to be more equitable than they ever have. Silicon Valley was facing a crisis of ethics in 2016, and designers, I've noticed, often play the role of default ethicist on the teams that they're a part of. And we've discussed this many times on the program. That has to do with the fact that designers are usually the sole conduit to the people who will end up using a product. So designers find themselves in a position of defending those folks. That's why so much of the content on this podcast was not focused on tools and techniques for designers, but on the purpose of what we do, the meaning behind it, the implications of our decisions in the broader world. Asking the question, of what could go wrong and taking the time to be honest with the answers. And all those changes happening in the world also motivated me to try to find different voices to bring on as guests to the show. I'd spent nearly 25 years in tech and had written books and spoken at conferences and generally found it kind of easy to get ideas out to an audience of my peers. But that had a lot to do with being there in the beginning and it's way harder now. So I thought this podcast could be a good place to bring more diverse designers into the spotlight. I feel sort of mixed about how well I did at that. Looking back across the 123 episodes we've recorded, the guests have been women 41% of the time, and only 15% of them were non-white. That tells me that intention is not enough, and even deliberate action needs constant focus. We know this in our hiring practices, and we know this when we recruit research subjects and co-design groups but I generally wish I'd done better at that. In fact, I spent some time these past few months considering if I should continue on with Presentable. Fixing those numbers was probably the most compelling reason to keep going. But in the end, I realized it was time for someone else to take the microphone and continue the conversation. And to that end, take a moment after you've listened to this and have a look at the show notes for this episode. I've listed a bunch of the best design podcasts that I could find that are out there. Go listen to them. Please, there's just so much talent out there to connect with. Okay, it's also worth stating the obvious here, that the Presentable Podcast is not a solo effort, and I'm deeply grateful for the others who have worked to make this show happen. First off is Mike Hurley, one of the founders of the Relay FM network. He and I hatched the idea of a podcast while eating burgers under a railroad arch in the London neighborhood of Shoreditch all those years ago. He was so enthusiastic and Honestly, his infectious energy has never really subsided. I've counted on him for podcast advice and expertise over the years, and he's never let me down. 
it's worth mentioning just how much respect I have for the Relay FM network. Mike and his co-founder, Stephen Hackett, have not just built a good business on the ups and downs of the podcast industry, but they've built a community of like-minded people developing incredible content with exceptional values. I mean, just look at the work that they do every year to raise funds for the St. Jude Children's Hospital. It's just incredible. And if I can make another request of all of you, it's that you go join Relay FM as a member. Check out all the amazing podcasts they publish. They're just really good people. I'm also grateful, as ever, to Jim Metzendorf, our audio engineer. He edits each episode. He does his magic to make everything sound good. Thank you, Jim. It's just been wonderful working with you. And of course, I can't forget to thank all the sponsors who have supported the program over the years. They've all been great, but I'll call out our friends at Pingdom specifically. They've been with us longer than any other sponsor, and it's been an absolute pleasure to tell you about their service month after month. They're great. Uh, and just to pay our final bills here, I'll once again encourage you to head over to pingdom.com slash RelayFM to learn all about their amazing service and try it out for 30 days with free trial. And for the last time, please don't forget to use the code presentable for 30% off. I love those folks. Now, a few years ago, I gave a talk about how design was becoming more and more appreciated and mature in our industry. I suggested that a few historic trends had converged to make that happen. There's, there was a shift over the years uh, towards something we called Web 2.0 in the mid-2000s, in which apps had a more intuitive and interactive user experience, and those began to emerge with, as more successful than the previous kind of static versions of the earlier web. Around that time, e-commerce exploded into the daily lives of regular people, requiring designs that could be both usable and trustable. And the iPhone, really, and its imitators, followed soon after that. Uh, and there was this massive amount of people that started carrying apps in their pockets, expecting them to respond quickly and consistently and actually accomplish everyday tasks. The result of all of this was that people making business decisions realized investing in design in the user experience of their products wasn't just a competitive advantage, it was table stakes to even entering a market. So in that talk, I suggested that good design was no longer enough to edge out the competition. Rather, I claimed that the teams producing good design now needed a strong, healthy, and diverse culture. I believe that's the path to innovation. Products that find substantially new ways of solving problems for all people. And for teams to have that kind of culture, requires a strong and shared sense of purpose that we can collectively shape a better future, one that elevates us all. I hope, in some small way, this podcast has inspired some of you to aim towards that future. I hope that you believe, like I do, that the people who practice the craft of design are the best suited to achieve that. So thank you for listening, and good luck. I can't wait to see what comes next.